Welcome back to Revelation On Demand Podcast, a podcast dedicated to bringing you Revelation from the Bible. I'm your host, Justin D. Myers, and if you're listening to this, today's a solo episode. So let's go ahead and get into things. Chris is not feeling the best right now, so I'm going to get this recorded so that we don't have another mess up where we miss two weeks, and then all of a sudden, you guys are wondering where the heck we are. But considering that you guys are listening, uh, we actually reached 1,000 downloads, which, you know, Thank you, listener. That's all you. That's not not us. We're just here trying to spin God's word out to everyone who can hear it. You guys are the ones who make this all possible. So, like I say at the end of every episode, if you like this, please share, subscribe, and send it to someone else that you know. Even if one person sends it on to one person and that person sends it on to one person, it turns into quite a long chain after a while. So, I really am, like, Totally grateful for everyone who shares this and, and tells their friends and family about it. So, last episode we were talking about uh, Daniel chapter 8, where we were talking about this, this dream of Daniel's that was more of something that seems to have been fulfilled mostly in history already. So he had this dream of the ram and the goat, and the goat that came up from the east out of the Mediterranean was very much supposed to be Greece as it came and wiped out all of the Medo-Persian Empire. So we've seen that most of that prophecy was probably fulfilled. But of course, Daniel at the time that he was listening or what having experiencing it, he uh, he definitely got this this he didn't understand this fully, you know, because this was going to happen a few years after Daniel's time, anyways. And there is still parts of that dream that possibly may still have to come true. So uh, we talked a little bit about that in the last episode. And of course, as always, we like talking about prophecy and how much it has been fulfilled. So anytime that we have prophecy, we wonder exactly how much of this has been fulfilled, how much of this is future fulfillment, and how much of this can be fulfilled partially time and time again, as we've talked about before in prophetic cycles. So, now we're going to go into Daniel chapter 9. So what we need to know about this going before we get into it, this is happening back during the time period of chapter 6, right where King Darius from the Medo-Persian Empire took over, right after the uh, writing on the wall incident from chapter 5. So this would have happened during the same period that Daniel and the lion's den happened. So... With no further ado, let's get into the scripture, starting at verse 1. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord, given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last seventy years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him, in prayer and petition, in fasting, and in sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned, done wrong, we have been wicked, and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name, to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. So that's our first chunk of scripture. And we can see that Daniel is uh, kind of laying out the foundations of 
this is what Israel has done. This is why Israel is in in exile, as we've talked through this whole series, if you remember. Babylon is in exile right now because they couldn't follow God's commands. They couldn't keep his commandments. They couldn't keep his law. So we see that they have been exiled to this foreign land, and there's been a lot of tension over when they exactly they're going to be going home. When when is this all going to be over with? And that's going to be the thing that we go over today. So Daniel is very knowledgeable about the scriptures. He is quoting from Isaiah throughout this entire prophecy and dream. So we're going to get dig into some of the connections there as we get through them. And he's seen this this prophecy in Isaiah that he thinks fits his current time. And uh, we'll get into the exact part of scripture. If not, I will pause and I'll pull that up because it's very important that we talk about that. But there's this place in Isaiah where it talks about Israel being exiled for 70 weeks. And uh, often that causes some confusion on what exactly that means. Again, with prophecy, we're always wondering exactly how literal it's supposed to be and how, how symbolic it's supposed to be. So as we join Daniel, he's been in captivity or him and his people have been in captivity in Babylon for almost 70 years. They're reaching the end of the 70 year period that Daniel thinks he sees being talked about in Isaiah. So continuing on at verse 7, Lord, you are righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, and all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you, we and our kings, our princes, and our ancestors are covered with shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. The Lord our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the Lord our God and kept the laws he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. So Daniel is putting himself in a place right now where he's being a representative of Israel. He's not hes not personally responsible for some of the things that done. Because as we remember, he was but just like, a teen, like an early teenager when he was first taken from Babylon. So... He's putting himself in the place of kind of being responsible or just being the figurehead for Israel. And he's begging God to, uh, you know, have some mercy on the Israelites and bring them home. So Israel offended God. So Daniel is asking for his forgiveness, even though uh, Israel offended God, not, not Daniel himself. So... We see that God was just to punish Israel because as we, if you studied the Old Testament and, and looked into the laws and the, the, the laws that are written in the Torah, we see that Israel accepted these laws and agreed to obey them in exchange for God's favor. So when God lifts his favor and lets, you know, terrible things happen to Israel, then he's just in doing that because Israel is breaking the contract. God never breaks the contract. We do. And this is this is what this whole prophecy is about, is God's people finally realizing that they need to get back into good graces with God. 
And we're going to see that yet another angel is about to come down to Daniel and explain this prophecy to him. So starting in the middle of verse 11. Therefore, the curses and sworn judgments written in the laws of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against you. You have filled the words spoken against us and against our ruler by bringing us on us great disaster. Under the whole heaven, nothing has ever been done like what has been done in Jerusalem. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all the disasters have come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of our Lord, our God, by turning our sins and giving you attention to your truth. The Lord did not hesitate to bring disaster on us, for the Lord our God is righteous in everything he does. Yet we do not have yet oh, excuse me, yet we have not obeyed him. Now, Lord our God, who brought our people out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and who made for yourself a name that endures to this day, we have sinned, we have done wrong. Lord, in keeping with all your righteous acts, turn away your anger and your wrath from Jerusalem, your city, your holy hill. Our sins and our iniquities of our ancestors have made Jerusalem and your people an object of scorn to all those around us. So there's been a lot of preamble leading up to what we're going to see where Daniel talks to this angel from God and gets this this prophecy, this idea of what's to happen. It's not so much that Daniel is getting a prophecy here. It's that Daniel is asking God to clarify a prophecy that he's already given in Isaiah, which Isaiah would have already been written and be part of the Holy Scripture that Daniel would know in and out. So God is ever faithful and Daniel's saying this over and over again, like you're you're not the you're not the one who broke this this contract. So God or Daniel is trying to appeal to God's better nature and saying, I know my people mess this up, I know we're terrible, like please forgive us, please let us have another chance, please let us back into this covenant. So we see that what the Israelites did to the temple, even before uh, these other nations come in and like destroy the temple and use the sacred vessels for parties and stuff like that. Even before that, the Israelites, they had idols and stuff in the temple. So they were desecrating God's ground before even the first enemy nation came out of the woodworks and took over Israel. So anytime there's anything that's, used to disgrace God in his presence, it's it's just going to be the outcome's going to be terrible. We whenever we are disgraceful to God, it's it's like he says in one part of scripture I don't remember where, those who remember me in their everyday life, I will remember them. And then those who forsake my name, those who, you know, say I don't know him, I will say, I don't know you in the last days. So continuing on at verse 17. Now our God, here's the prayers and petitions of your servant for your sake. Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear our God and hear. open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We make, we do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay, because your city and your people bear your name. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin, 
to the sin of my people Israel and making my request to the Lord, my God, for his holy hill. While I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen earlier in vision, came to me with sweet, swift flight about the time of evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you, for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the, the vision. So here we see a messenger from God, an angel, coming down and talking to Daniel directly to tell him exactly what it is he's seeing in prophecy. So Daniel's making this request, and the angel comes down, and he says, Hey, I'm going to give you the understanding of what you're, what you're asking about. And he mentions, Daniel mentions that it's the time of evening sacrifice. So he's really worried about the way the old system is now. As we know, these days, sacrifice isn't, or at least the ritualistic sacrifice that was practiced from the Old Testament, isn't that important. And that ultimate sacrifice has already been made in Jesus Christ. So we don't have to worry about doing these regular sacrifices. But Daniel, of course, being of this time before the time of Christ, He's very worried worried about the regular sacrifices that need that need to happen according to the older scrolls that he has. So Gabriel is about to tell Daniel, "Hey, this prophecy isn't going to go down the way that you think it is." So this is this is where we understand that prophecy is very difficult to decide, or this prophecy is very difficult to decide when it goes down because. I mean, people have poured over. There's there's a lot of prophecies in Isaiah, and even people as old as old as Daniel, which would have been several hundred years before Christ even, have been wondering what these prophecies mean. So you know, to this day, two thousand plus years later, we're still wondering exactly what these prophecies in Isaiah mean. And I would love to go into Isaiah with this podcast. Uh, you know, we could go still do chapter by chapter, but we'd have like two or three years worth of episodes then at our current pace. So unless our pace is going to pick up, I'm not sure if we're going to go into Isaiah, at least not into a full depth chapter by chapter like we've been doing. Uh, maybe we'll dig into some of the bigger prophecies in Isaiah. That would be a great idea that we could go over some of those and then we can see, you know, where these prophecies, even from the beginning of the Bible, were being made and where they connect to these other prophecies we've been studying and the reoccurrences of these prophecies. So that's that's probably somewhere we're going to go next with this podcast. Continue on in verse 24. Seventy-sevens are decreed for your people in your holy city to, tra to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. No one understands this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seventy se or, excuse me, there will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. After sixty-two sevens, the anointed one will be put to death and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolation have been decreed. 
He will confirm a covenant with many for the one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And at the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. So I just looked this up. There was a pause. That's what it was. Um, I was I was wrong. It's not in Isaiah, though Isaiah is full of prophecies that I'd love to dig into. But actually, Daniel's referring to Jeremiah, which as we started this whole series off with, we started off with Jeremiah twenty nine, because again, this this prophet was a few years before Daniel. So in Jeremiah twenty five, eleven and twelve, it says and this whole land shall be a desolation and astonishment, and the nations shall serve the king of Babylon seventy years. And it shall come to pass, when the seventy years are accomplished, that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith Yahweh, for their iniquity in the land of the Chaldeans, and I will make it desolate forever. That's the uh, scripture he's referencing. Now, it wasn't scripture at the time, when he was writing this, it was mostly writings of one of his uh, peers, but very much Jeremiah had seen as we started this whole series off with that Jerusalem was going to be in Babylon for a long time. He even tells them, Hey, build houses, have kids, let those kids get married, like live a life here, help the, help the people around here, you know, like be God's people there. So, we see that sevens or weeks is often a uh, kind of idiom, much like a dozen or a uh, half dozen. Or I'm, I'm trying to think of other like numbers where you think of, you, you say it and you mean something that is like a set of numbers. So weeks is easy. It means seven, seven of something. So we see right at the beginning it said seven sevens and then 62 sevens. So this whole set of time when you when you take that and think of the individual numbers as years instead of uh, weeks and we see seven sevens and 60 62 sevens we get a period of about 483 years uh, and that would be 77 of years um, and when we we see some some things this this time when daniel is writing is is you know almost 500 years before jesus so we see that he's talking about that in a time there's going to be someone is going to say it's time to rebuild the temple and then 62 sevens is going to pass before that happens and then it talks about this last week of where the Antichrist comes up. We, we, as we've studied before, the abomination of desolation. Like this is this is mentioned here again. I mean, as we've talked, that is the the idol that is set up in the quote unquote temple that the world is to worship. So we see that it's talking about very much the end times, and that the last little bits of this are going to be put into place at the very end days. So talking about Antiochus again, he was one of the one of the leaders who declared Israel's rebuilding. So this is often the event where most scholars think that this 
this uh, prophecy's time clock starts. And then 483 years later, or 69 of the 70 weeks, that's when Jesus would be crucified. So, and a lot of people still think that the last seven years, as we've studied in the time of tribulation, you know, the last seven years of tribulation, that has been disjointed from the prophecy and is yet to come. And even 2,000 years later, we're still wondering where exactly that last seven years is. And of course, as we've studied eschatology before, many people do believe that that seven-year period is yet to come in the time of tribulation. So, as we're often left with prophecy, we're, we're left wondering, oh, what does this all mean? You know, what, where is this all going? And I often think that this prophecy is left here as a reminder to us, you know, first off, that in the end we win. We're going to be in heaven with God as long as we have given our life over to Christ. You know, we win. And there should be some comfort in that. And heaven's going to be so much better than any of the crud that we go on with down here. You know, sickness, illness, pandemics, the economy utterly collapsing around us. I mean, heck, what's up with the cream cheese shortage? Like, come on, Thanksgiving? That's ridiculous. And anyways, I digress. Even though all these things are going on, prophecy, you know, eschatology is here to remind us, hey, it's going to be so much better in heaven. It's all going to be redeemed. We're all going to be doing the things we love and there will be no decay, which is kind of hard to think about, especially being as most of us only ever understood this world where, you know, decay is like a common feature. And another thing is I think it's here to keep us humble and be like, Hey, I can't understand all this fully. Like I need God to help me understand this. So I think that's what prophecy is really here still to this day to, you know, remind us of, to remind us of that there's better days ahead. We're going to get through this. We're going to be with God someday. And that, you know, we can trust God because he sees the whole plan. He sees it all laid out before him. He's not stuck in time like we are. And, you know, we can worry ourselves like Daniel to the point where God's like, hey, you really need to stop focusing on this. You need to go back to doing what you're doing. So I'm going to tell you what's going on. You know, Daniel is lucky. He walked with God so closely that God felt like he could tell him these things in that it wouldn't be misconstrued with Daniel because Daniel was always eager to hear what the Lord had to say. So I hope that blesses you today. I know today is a short episode. I apologize for that, but that's all I got today. And without my, my co-host, you know, that's half the show that's not here. So I want to thank you guys for listening to Revelation On Demand podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you catch podcasts from. Please, if you like what we're doing, share us with a friend, family member, or someone from your church. This is a completely private venture and we receive no funding from any sources. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please feel free to contact me at revelationondemand at gmail.com. God bless and see you next time. <laughs>